All right, here we go. <clears throat> Howdy, and welcome to episode four of Cast Protection. Cast Protection is a podcast that discusses the Netflix original series, Stranger Things. My name is Jonathan Kreitz, and I'm joined by Dave Adbury. Hey, how you doing? And Chris Tyler. Hey, everybody. You can reach the show at castprotection at gmail.com, and you can also get to us at Cast Protection on Twitter, and you can also find the show on Facebook. And you can leave a review for the show on iTunes. And speaking of that, we do have our very first iTunes review since we last recorded. Excellent. So let's let's see what it says. Five stars, of course. That's the only uh, Ooh, nice. only way to leave a good review. Um, it's from W Andrew M. Um, says really enjoyed. What well, good stuff. Five stars. That's the title. Really enjoyed the first episode. Stranger Things is awesome, and these guys who grew up in the 80s provide great background knowledge to illuminate the references and subtext of the show for those of us who don't remember the 80s quite as well or (laughs) weren't privy to all the sci-fi horror films of the era. So keep up the good work. So thank you, Andrew. That's a great review, and that's that's what I hope we're bringing to the show every week. Um, If you want to... Leave a review. We would appreciate a review. A five-star review is always good. And uh, we do actually, we need to, I keep checking. I, I'm always disappointed when I check the Gmail account. No, no email today. So I haven't got an email to the Gmail. So castprotection at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to shoot us an email with your thoughts. Um, especially as we get towards the end and we're going to be talking about the end of the show and maybe even thoughts about uh, another season and where they could go with it. I'd like to hear what what other people think about it too, besides just the three of us. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah please. All right, well, uh, let's dive into the synopsis, and we'll uh, go from there. So, in the opening, Hop and Pal look through Joyce's chaotic home with their flashlights, and this is interspersed with Hop breaking the news to Joyce that they found Will's body in the quarry lake. Their theory is that he crashed his bike, then wandered over the edge of the quarry in the dark. Joyce tries her best to explain to Hop what is happening, and he tells her that when he lost his daughter, Sarah, he thought he saw and heard her, too. He tells her he needs her to rest and then come down to the morgue in the morning herself. Jonathan listens to Joy Division and cries himself to sleep in his room. Hop starts to leave and then decides to sit and watch over the house. Joyce sits up on the couch with an axe from the bed, and Mike's parents debate how to approach talking to him about Will's death. In the basement of Mike's house, he continues to berate Eleven about leading them on about Will. She ignores him, fiddling with the walkie-talkie. Using her powers, she tunes the radio to Will's voice, softly singing the words to Should I Stay or Should I Go? Then we get our our title, and going into the episode proper, uh, Joyce hears Will in her dreams, and Jonathan wakes her up to go to the morgue. And we switch over to Mike's house, and Karen tells Mike he doesn't need to go to school, and that he can come with her and run anything he wants, even R-rated from the movie store. Mike is saying, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Mike convinces his mom to go away, that he didn't really feel like going out, as he then calls Lucas to come over right away. They need to talk about Will. At the coroner's office, Hop is impatiently waiting for the autopsy to be completed, The receptionist says it's going slow because Gary, the local coroner, was sent home by the men from state. Joyce and Jonathan are shown the body through the window, and Joyce refuses to believe it is her son. She knows it isn't him. At the high school, Nancy tries to explain to Steve what has happened to Barb, and all he can think about at the moment is how pissed his dad will be. 
Jonathan and Joyce have it out in the street outside the morgue about moving on with the funeral. Joyce says she knows she sounds crazy, but Will needs her to find him. In the basement, Mike and Elle try to convince Lucas and Dustin that it is Will on the walkie, and Lucas isn't convinced. They decide they need a better radio, so they make a plan to get all of them, including Elle, into the school to use the radio from the AV club. To get Elle in, they dress her up in some of Nancy's old clothes and a wig, and she looks pretty, pretty good. At the lab, the team prepares to send a man through the growth on the wall. It is organic, and he has to push himself through. Back at the high school, Nancy can't focus on the end of Heart of Darkness in her English class, and she's taken out of class to talk to the police. She tells the police everything she knows, and they tell her that Barb's car is now missing, too. They think that Barb just skipped town. Hop talks to Gary, the coroner, in his office, who says it was all over the top, as this was just Will Byers, not JFK, that the men from state acted so serious and rushed him out. At the junior high, the kids try to get into the AV room, but are intercepted by Mr. Clark. He makes them go to the assembly for Will. Nancy and Karen have it out after talking to the police. Nancy knows that Barb is in serious danger, and no one will listen to her. She reassembles a picture of Barb from the remains of Jonathan's photo, and she sees something strange inside of it. At the lab, the man who was sent through what they are calling the rift is trying to describe it over the radio. Just then, he is attacked by something, and they try and reel him in, but he's gone. Back at the junior high, the principal gives a nice eulogy for Will, which is interrupted by Troy, the mouth breather. Mike confronts them <laughs> after the rally and pushes Troy down. And just as Troy is going to go to beat him down, Elle stops him with her powers and makes him pee himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the funeral home, uh, Jonathan tries to look at coffins, when Nancy comes to ask him about the picture, Nancy tells Jonathan about what she saw in the woods, and Jonathan then realizes it is the same description as his mom's, the man with no face. Hop is in a bar talking to a guy about his daughter that that she won the spelling bee that day. Hop recognizes the guy as the one that found Will in the, in the lake and right away knows that something is wrong about his story. Hop follows him out back and actually beats the truth out of him. The state policeman says that he was told to go out there and to not let anyone get too close to the body. At that time, an unmarked car speeds away from across the street. Back at her house, Joyce is a clash, uh, an attempt to bring Will back. Um, at the middle school, the boys get on the radio and tune L into it. This makes L flashback to her time in the lab. Brenner is having her focus her mind on the picture of a man. At the other end of the hall, that same man reads a list of words. Brenner wants Elle to use her mind to listen to him and repeat him. Elle focuses, the lights flicker and go out, and the man's voice is channeled over the PA speaker in the room. It seems to be a way her powers work, as the same thing is now happening in the AV club room at the junior high. Joyce kills the music, and now she can hear Will audibly in the wall in the front of the living room. The boys hear it, too. Joyce frantically tears the, the wallpaper away from the wall and sees Will through the wall. He has <clears throat> he has to run, though, as the monster is coming. Joyce tells him to go ahead and run. At that same time, the radio in the school bursts into flames and the boys flee. Elle is exhausted from her effort. Joyce chops down the wall, but nothing is there. At the high school, Jonathan works in a dark room to brighten and enlarge the part of the picture that shows the monster. Jonathan apologizes for taking the picture of Nancy, um, the picture he, he develops, and he shows the Demogorgon. Hop goes to the morgue and tries to 
trick the state trooper there guarding the door. Um, he ends up punching him out. He gets Will's body out, and after feeling it, cuts it open. It is just latex and stuffing. It's a dummy body. A car approaches Joyce's house in the dark. It's her ex-husband, Lonnie. Hop drives to the edge of the lab's property, gets out, and begins to cut the fence. And that is the end of Chapter 4. Woo! Yeah. This, yeah. this is <laughs> long. There's a lot of jumping back and forth in that one. Um, yeah. I should have read through it one more time before we got any further, but that's okay. Um, so, I guess we can start from the top. Um I guess I'd say the first point I had here that hop talking to Joyce about being on the edge of grief and, you know, the edge of sanity. I thought that was really good. Um, one can only understand what someone else is going through in that type of situation if they've actually gone through it themselves. Yeah. And, uh, the exact specifics of, of hops, uh, reason for understanding will be laid out. Yeah. So uh, he, more than anybody else, yeah. has a handle on what Joyce is feeling right now. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I um, I think since last time we recorded, I think I had not quite finished last time we recorded, but I, I have finished yeah. the show now as well. And, yeah, I mean, you could already tell from the way they've set it up that Hop, you know, part of his backstory, this was going to be more personal to him and more you know, emotional for him to handle than just your, maybe your, like his deputies or some other cop. And so I, th- I think they're building that slowly and it's nice. Yeah. This episode really is the turning point when he, you know, anything having to do with kids, he's, um, he's not going to sit down and, and, and take it. Um, anything related to small children, he's, uh, going to be out there swinging literally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and that's, that, that's, and I, that's kind of that leads right into the next point I kind of had here. But I like how it it grows Hop's suspicion of you know what exactly is going on here. You know, at first it, he seems a little you know skeptical or unsure of what's going on. Then I think he he's almost on the edge of paranoia here. You know, when he sees the the car speed away from across the street, you know, it's kind of like I don't know it. it it, it's so weird or so strange that he doesn't really know how to handle it, but he knows it's not right. Well, especially after hearing what the guy says, he said, you're going to get us both killed. Yeah. Um, that, that's not just, Hey, I, I was asked to do this. This is, <laughs> I needed to do this or I was going to get killed. Yeah, right. Dave, you were going to say something. Sorry. Oh no, you're fine. I, yeah, no, I like, um, hops arc is, is one of my favorite parts of this, this episode. And, you know, he obviously starts out from a place where he's, you know, he's, he's seeing himself in, in Joyce and, you know, you can tell like, like when he goes like to leave her house, he can't even drive off. You know, he just sits there in the car, but yeah, I love the way he, he slowly starts to realize, uh, through the course of the episode, what's going on. And, and I like that he's a, you know, a sheriff that, <laughs> that leads with his fists, you know, he's very much an, yeah. an old West kind of sheriff. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't other than that one role in 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 uh, Skyfall, or was it Skyfall? No, I'm sorry, I'm the one before. Quantum, 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 Quantum of Solace. Solace. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him in anything else, so uh, I I really enjoyed uh, his performance. It's been a, a revelation for me. I would so. agree, actually. Like um, he he's done a lot of really subtle things with his performance. I mean, even at the very very first scene when he's 
waiting in the waiting room at the at the morgue and she says oh you know gary's not here there's just like a little almost like a twitch in his eye like that's weird you know that's out of the ordinary that you know what's going on like just very very subtle uh recognition that something weird is going on there maybe he didn't even realize or put it all together just yet but as the episode goes on he he definitely does yeah well i i think uh what I really enjoyed on the rewatch was noticing like in that scene where he, where he goes to the bar where he goes to the hideaway and, uh, he is trying to go undercover, trying to probe the state trooper for information. It's interesting because there's that extra layer with, with, you can see it in his eyes when, when O'Bannon asks him, what's your daughter's name? Yeah. And there's that that hitch in his, you know, it, it almost knocks him out of character, and he can, yeah. and he, it's very emotional for him, and I think uh, might 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 have led a little bit to the where he just decided screw it, I'm gonna beat this guy. Yeah, so. well, you know, it's funny. The first time I watched it, and I think I made a note of that, you know, a little further down as well. But the first time I watched it, I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention because I think on the second viewing it's apparent that he saw that guy on the tv previously and you know purposefully went to seek that guy out and him asking about his daughter that's what initially made me wonder if that guy it was the reverse like that guy was keeping an eye on him or something Mm -hmm. you know like because it was like he knew that he was lying about his daughter winning the spelling bee or whatever he said but no i think that was just just the one thing that this guy could, you know, happen to say that would kind of throw him for a loop for a second. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm. uh, ah, I lost my train of thought. Go no, that's it. okay. Well, okay. So, uh, after that, uh, I just had a note here, you know, again, I feel like there's a little bit more of an homage to ET with the dressing up of 11. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, especially, especially that, that blonde wig, you know, Oh yeah. Well, and then Mike, you know, pretending to be sick to basically stay home. You know, oh, I can't, I can't go to school today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, she talks like ET too. Yeah. It's it's very much clipped and one word at a time. Like you can picture, uh, was it Deborah Winger that did her? Who did the voice of ET? I can't remember who it was, but her just saying pretty mm-hmm. good. Like I could just good. like you could just hear it in your yeah, head. Yeah. <laughs> no, that I love that moment too. You know, very uh, much. Um, yeah, the kids knocked it out of the park again this episode. Uh, oh, yeah. Their performances were, were great. I especially, well, we'll get there eventually. But, yeah, one of the things I, I I like just in a general sense for the whole episode is I like the way the direction is is so well done. The the editing, the way that the, the scenes cut back and forth and interplay off each other. Uh, that's one of the things overall I like a lot about Stranger Things is it it feels more like a movie yeah. than a TV show. Um, if, it, if this had been a regular network TV show, we would get episodes. You know, we get a Joyce episode, we'd get a, a Nancy episode. You, you know, you know, what I'm talking about that have that kind of structure. And, and I like through how all the characters are moving forward and progressing at the same time. Nobody's left behind. For an episode or two, and I really like that. 
And it's it's organic the way they do weave the the disparate threads of each character's story. You know, nobody realizes yet that they're all barreling towards the same end game. And it's just one of those things that's organic. Everybody's dealing with something specific regarding the situation in their own way. Uh, But we haven't gotten to the point where it all really congeals for everybody that's in the know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. Like, right now, the boys are on their own, and Eleven are kind of on their own path. Joyce is on kind of her own path. Hop is on his own path. But we do see um, Jonathan and Nancy begin to finally, like, they're kind of separate threads of the story where Jonathan was almost out of the story. He wanted to bury his brother. He's looking at uh, coffins. You know, he's ready to move on until she shows up and he realizes that, well, you know what? Maybe my mom's not crazy. You know, she saw the same thing. And he, you know, I I really do like how those kind of separate threads begin to come together in that way. And and what I appreciate about that was that was not something that was dragged out until, you know, like the penultimate episode. This is the beginning of the midway point of the series and it's, Okay, my mom's not crazy because right, yeah. it would have been it would have been a very easy thing to just sort of drag that out oh, and have yeah. her just be the the frantic mother that nobody believes until the end. Um, but with the you know the amount of episodes that they've decided to do, it's not it's one of those things that you really couldn't pull out like that. It would it would have yeah. it would have hurt her credibility and and having the kids not realize what's going you know uh, Jonathan and Nancy. Um, it would have uh, strained credulity, I think, oh, yeah. uh, if they had dragged it out any longer. Yeah, I, I had. It would have made them look, look. Would have made the two of them look pretty silly. Yeah. Well, that was one of the thoughts I had when the episode ended. I, I was thinking, like, on any other show, especially like on like, like a regular television show, this would have been like a season, a series, uh, season finale. Excuse me. You know the amount of big things that happened and the way that characters plots got moved forward this is the kind of character development and plot development that typically gets reserved for maybe a mid-season finale but usually yeah sure. this is the but usually like a, <laughs> it's the christmas break exactly <laughs> exactly or, or or even a even a season finale on certain shows would have had this much big things happening um so yeah i i, I think exactly i love that they're that they're just moving forward. They're not slowing down. If anything, they're picking up speed, which is yeah. just... No, the, the pace is great. The pace is great on this show. Yeah. Um, well, another note I had here was I knew that Troy, the mouth breather, was familiar, but I couldn't place him, and I didn't look him up on IMDb, but he yeah. is definitely one of Ricky Bobby's kids on Talladega Nights. Ah. <laughs> You're going to oh, break man. us like wild horses. One of those little guys. So, yeah, he's the older brother. Like a spider monkey! Yeah, shut up, shit. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, and he he basically plays the same character here, you know. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was good. It was a good piece of, uh, you know, talk about a character arc. Mike, yeah. you kind of tell already from the very first scene with them playing their campaign... You know, he's kind of the natural leader, I'd say, of their little group. Um, but even from last episode to this episode, he goes from getting, you know, shoved down by 
Troy and his friend to being willing to stand up to him for snickering and, Man. you know, uh, laughing during the, you know, the eulogy or the service or whatever there at the school for Will. Um, and that was something, too, I didn't really make a note of, but, you know, that's not the first reference. Are we supposed to think that Will was, is he gay or was, or he, or they just saying, like, I think that's just like, oh, you know, he's different than us, so he's gay. I, I think that's exactly what it is. It's, I mean, there's never anything called to mind about it, uh, specifically. It's just he's one of the, he's the kid who plays Dungeons and Dragons. He's quiet. His family's from the wrong side of the tracks. Blah 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 blah. And And these kids are just jerks. Well, yeah, and in the last run in with the bullies, where um, Mike got pushed down and his chin got cut. That was one of the the insults that was being thrown at them. That they're right. basically that they're you know you guys are all a bunch of you know little fairy boys love each other because you know obviously these guys spend every waking minute with each other. They're those friends that are right. always together all the time, and so that's one of the the low hanging fruit that he chooses to pick. Sure. To, to no, I mean for so. better or worse, I feel like that's you know a very authentic way that uh. You yeah. know, boys talk to each other sometimes when they're that age. So. Oh yeah. Well, especially that, being an '80s kid, that was that was one of the common insults thrown around on the playground. Right. right. So. It's another another little little bit of the '80s uh, that's true to life. So. Um. I had a so, little note about. Oh, go, oh, go ahead. Jason. No, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. No, I was going to. I was going to say. I. Uh, one of the things I noticed on the rewatch in the moment where they go to the morgue and Nan, uh, Joyce asked to see the body, she, you know, she asked to see the birthmark and we don't see whether or not the birthmark is there or not. Yeah. And I like intentionally vague. Yeah. I like that little, that little touch. It's the kind of, um, the show's full of those kind of intentional vagaries. Things aren't always spelled out. There's an air of mystery there without being too on the nose, which I really like. Well, because even in that moment, you don't know. They still did a long shot, and it wasn't even actually a direct shot. It was a reflection in the window when her and Jonathan were looking through. So it's a blurry, you know, hazy shot to begin with, but it still keeps that doubt in your mind. Like, we don't know what's going on. He might be able to... Actually, that might actually be his dead body. I almost right. wonder if it would have been better, you know, more dramatic somehow if it was. And just like his essence or soul or something had been taking, taken away. Uh, yeah. But, you know, until Hop goes to look at the body, we don't actually know that it's fake. Uh, yeah. Well, it's also the only time we get here it is. It's directly in front of the camera. Yeah. You can clearly see that it's Will's face. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he has been in some water. Right. Well, dead bodies, however long he was in there, lifeless, obviously lifeless, but like plasticky look, you know, a rubbery look. Um, yeah, it would. I. It's only been a couple of days. You would think there would be a little bit more bloat to the body, especially if it was in the water, submerged mm-hmm. in water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that I thought that was that was interesting too, um, but yeah, they definitely kept it a mystery until until the very end. And even when he was going to, you know, cut him open at first, like the first time at least I was watching it, I really wasn't sure what was about to happen either. But yeah, um, 
I'm glad it wasn't his actual body. <laughs> well, the thing that I noticed, the, even the first time I watched it, was they said that they did an autopsy. There was no marks. autopsy scar yeah, on no that marks. dummy. Yeah. No. You're right. No. You're right. So that's that's I mean that's clue number one. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, and this was after. Especially after Hop finding out about the guy saying, "I was told we were told not to let anybody get too close to the body." Yeah, yeah. that's true. And uh, well, that's what you that's know, if you're gonna be... that's Hop on his path. That 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 note right there, combined with Joyce freaking out, I think is what made him have to go see it with his own eyes. You know. Yeah, and but he's always he's ever the detective. Uh, you know, it's asking why the state troopers were there he knows it's a privately run quarry yeah so it wouldn't be state involved it would be the local police that would be involved so er, he 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 knows that there's something's getting worked from behind the scenes um let's see well and the other the other tip we get about that is when when he does talk to gary the coroner and he does uh, you know, say it's just Will Byers, it's not JFK. Isn't that part of the JFK conspiracy theories or whatever that there was some, you know, uh, I guess the who had his body at what times and when and where, stuff right. like that. It's not right. like a clear, you know, record of possession where it went from here to there to there or something like that. There's some you know, inconsistency with that that let people say, oh, well, maybe they switched his body out or something like that. Um, so I think that also was supposed to be some sort of hint towards it being a fake. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, let's see what I had next here. So, you know, I'd already mentioned about him, yeah, running to the trooper in the bar. So in the scene where Eleven is using the big radio, I had written ham radio in, in the notes. I actually don't know much about the big kind of radios like that that you can talk around the world with. So I don't know if it's actually a ham radio or what it actually is, but the big radio to find Will. Um, do you think he's visible in the wall that is house like that with Joyce? Because L is you know, doing what she's doing at that exact moment? Or do you think it's like at that time there's still like a chance for him to get away? Or like what what do you think's going on there? I thought that was one part that we didn't really see something like that for Barb or we didn't really see something like that for Will even before where he's he's right there, you know? Yeah. I never even, you know, I hadn't even given it that much thought until reading the notes for this episode. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I think it's a good observation. May, I think. I, yeah, I, I mean, it could, it could be, it could be that because Eleven is well, simultaneous with what she's doing with the radio. Yeah. And it, or it could just be the fact that Joyce has just such a strong connection to Will, and she's already experienced stuff coming through the wall already. Yeah. Uh, maybe she's just tuned into it more because she's the one who's dealing oh, yeah. with it. I don't know. She's definitely trying I mean, to bring it, him there. I mean, she's playing the music. She's shouting, you know, come on, yeah. you know. It, yeah, I mean, and, and if where he is is a dark reflection of the home, then he would be able to travel to whatever that dark sure. reflection of the home sure. is on, on wherever he is. Right. right. Well, and it might be, too, the 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 presence of the creature is obviously, you know, the creature's able to, to cross over um, in more places than just what they call the rift. 
Um, yeah. And so, you know, as it starts coming and he starts yelling, it's coming, you know, maybe that it's those things combined, you know, because we know that L's interference, uh, um, uh, you know, it's obviously doing something, you know, she can, uh, she's got a connection there where they can hear not only, because I, I believe, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think were the boys in, uh, you know, with L, were they hearing both Joyce and Will? I think they were. That's I, that's what I, I thought. So I couldn't tell, yeah. uh, honestly. I, it t- because when they show the scenes of them in the AV club room, when they're listening to the radio, they only hear Will. Right. Any time right. that they sh- that you hear Joyce, it's when the camera is on oh, Joyce. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if hmm. she's able to. She might just be tuning into what's on the other side. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's enough of a tell for them to go, okay, our friend isn't dead. Yeah. Well, that's it's a great scene. I mean, that 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 three way climax scene, the way it's intercut between you know you got joyce you know trying to talk to will you got 11 listening in you got the flashback showing how she did it before um it's a great piece of editing and like i said there's that ambiguity that was i i watched it the second time trying to figure out if the boys could hear both joyce and will at the same time and i couldn't tell just watching it Specifically, trying to figure that out, I could not make it a definitive hmm. decision on that. So, I didn't watch I'd, it I'd as closely. It I didn't watch it as closely, thinking about that. You know, audibly, just you know, listening, the yeah. way they edit it. You know, it could go either way. But maybe, maybe Chris is right. Maybe by shooting it the way where you only hear Joyce when it's actually like she's the one on the screen, then yeah. maybe they're only hearing uh, Will's side of the story or Will's side of the conversation. But um, and then I guess uh, I happen <laughs> I happened to uh, I was on vacation last week, which was uh, really nice. But it gave me a chance to plow through the majority of The Stand by Stephen King, which oh, I had nice. never read, and uh, it's it's great. Like I mean, I'm sure my family's tired of hearing about it because I I'll read it for a while. <laughs> I'm like this book is so great. You should read this book. But um. In that story, Randall Flagg, the villain, he is repeatedly referring. He's got a ton of different names in the story, but one of them is like yeah. the man with no face. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was a cool, like, you know, I don't think it, it could or could not be in this show. It's hard to say, like an intentional reference to, you know, to the boogeyman or whatever. But uh, there's some others. <laughs> not the only King Nod. Yeah. Chris, Chris uh, this this King Nod's in this one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the uh, the most obvious one is when uh, Hop is breaking into the morgue. The state trooper is reading clearly a Stephen King book because you can see the uh, picture of him on the back uh, dust jacket, uh, and uh, he's reading Cujo because Hop goes, "Oh, I remember that one. That was one a real nasty mutt." Um, and the other reference is directly a Stephen King lift. The title of this episode is "The Body." Which is one of the novellas in, um, oh, is it Different Seasons? Yeah. Yeah, in Different Seasons, uh, The Body is the title of the novella that became uh, Stand By Me, uh, which, uh, let's see, a bunch of boys on an adventure trying to find, well, in the book, it's a dead body. Um, In this, they're essentially looking for (laughs) their dead friend. So, um, 
Yeah, that's about as direct a reference as you can possibly get. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, and uh, I actually just looked it up to see, and yes, Cujo was published in 81, so it is not anachronistic that he's reading it in November of 83, where Stranger Things takes place. Excellent. Yeah. That's the kind of continuity details we like. <laughs> yeah, we can, we, can, can, we can forgive the anachronisms for the song choices sometimes, because they fit so well. Yeah, yeah. that's a good yeah, point. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't think to check on those, but um, yeah, uh, that is, I think, all I had directly for this episode. I thought this was, this was a good episode. It, there wasn't a ton of action or a ton of, there was nothing really like, you know, action-wise or violence-wise that was increasing the story or moving the story along. But the the story itself, how the plot threads were coming together, I do feel like it was a good episode for just kind of giving us that next level of uh yeah moving it's, things along. it's the halfway yeah it's the halfway point i mean so you've gone you know where this is where we've gone up to the the top of the mountain we have to start barreling down at this point yeah. Yeah. and the end of this episode is definitely you know the mine cart going over the top of that sure. apex um yeah. i mean the uh you know Hop the hopper with the the bolt yeah. cutters and cut to black is yeah. Uh, okay, he's not messing no, around that was anymore. Definitely his. Uh, well, you could say like punching the guard out at the morgue, but him going to cut the fence is definitely his. You know, crossing the Rubicon, you know, yeah. type moment. So, yeah, it's good. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yes, as am I, and it's a great place. I mean, we've got we've got Hop. Hop knows something is. You know, the body is fake. Joyce has not only heard but seen Will. The boys mm-hmm. have heard Will, uh, Nancy and Jonathan have seen the picture. They, you know, so everybody now has enough proof to move forward, knowing that that this is a real something's happening, and and the the game's afoot. So. Well, I mean, half our crew knows Will is alive in some way or another. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's yeah, it is a a really good halfway point. I'd say I agree. That's a that's a good observation. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys for coming on and making time to, to talk about this episode. Um, we'll we'll get this one on the feed as soon as possible. And like I said at the top, you can email us at castprotection at gmail.com. We definitely want to hear from you, especially, uh, you know, kind of your overall thought, either, you know, episode by episode, but overall thoughts on the show in general are great too. Um, you can follow the show on twitter at cast protection is the handle there and we did make a, a facebook group um if you want to join the group we'd love to have you there's not too much on there right now uh, when we as we get a little further into the season maybe when we finish i'd like to post i've been saving tons of articles fan art youtube videos all kinds of stuff for the yeah. show that would make really good discussion once we kind of get a little further along so yeah, don't don't uh, don't. This show is not going to end in episode eight. There's uh, there's definitely going to be some follow up <laughs> yeah. episodes. Uh, don't and if if you feel like um, you're not ready to write in, or if you're a future listener that's listening uh, after everything's done, don't hesitate to write in either. Uh, whether we will you know we'll do a special episode or we'll uh, directly contact you and be happy to discuss anything that you want to yeah, talk yeah, about. Definitely, absolutely, definitely. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening and. Uh, 
hit us back uh, next time and we'll be here for episode five next week. Thanks guys. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.